Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. We are still on the basics of the near death experience, and uh, there are uh, 12 that I've got down as uh, fundamental ideas that if you understand these as common elements of the near-death experience, there will be less to surprise you later. And also, it will help as we read various other experiences to see a little bit of the contrast of the different kinds of experiences and how they take place and how interaction between uh, beings uh, takes place in different ways for different people in their near-death experiences. And today we're going to talk about standing in the presence of God, or Jesus Christ. And uh, I share this as a fundamental, not because it happens most often, but because it happens often. Now, there are many who have an experience, and their experience is standing in the light, or or standing before the light and experiencing this incredible love and knowledge and wisdom and intelligence with this light form that has no body or form, or at least not what looks like a physical human form. But today we're going to talk about uh, seeing God or Jesus Christ in a bodily form. And as I've said before, I'm not trying to convince you of any particular way of seeing God or the universe or heaven. What I'm doing is sharing experiences. And and while some experiences very much agree with my understanding of how things are, others don't seem to jive very much at all with my experience of, of how things should be or what I believe to be true. And so I'm sharing these experiences and reading these experiences as a study, as an under, to, in order to understand what people are experiencing and to get a broader perspective of what this universe might be about. And you can't take one experience and say, oh, well, this is the facts. This is what everybody's going to experience because everybody doesn't experience that. They experience it in different ways. And all of us will have some experience after death because I do believe as a fact, that every one of us will go on into the next life. Now, what that entails and who will be there and how we'll experience it, I'm leaving that up to you to decide how you feel about that. But uh, I am going with the assumption that all of us do indeed live on after this life. Basically, what I'm saying is I tend to believe these people. Who have, who have experienced these things. And though I won't always uh, take the same interpretation that they take, simply because I can't. I mean, there's enough contradiction in the different experiences that you're like, okay, what you experienced is consistent with these other experiences, but what you're drawing as conclusions from those experiences differs greatly than what this person over here has concluded. So, without further ado, I'm going to share the experience of Betty J. Eady in meeting Jesus. Because this is just a quintessential, uh, you know, she, she, her experience was really kind of the quintessential near-death experience. 
And it took her decades to be able to get it out and share it because she was just so taken aback by the differences between what her experience was and what she grew up being told was true. And, and she was having a hard time deciding how to reconcile the, the social effects of what she had experienced, you know, sharing that would do to her uh, versus what she knew to be true from her experience. So with that, this is from Embraced by the Light by Betty J. Eadie. I saw a pinpoint of light in the distance. The black mass around me began to take on more of the shape of a tunnel, and I felt myself traveling through it at an even greater speed, rushing toward the light. I was instinctively attracted to it, although again I felt that others might not be. As I approached it, I noticed the figure of a man standing in it, with the light radiating all around him. As I got closer, the light became brilliant, brilliant beyond any description, far more brilliant than the sun, and I knew that no earthly eyes in their natural state could look upon this light without being destroyed. Only spiritual eyes could endure it and appreciate it. As I drew closer, I began to stand upright. I saw that the light immediately around him was golden, as if his whole body had a golden halo around it. And I could see that the golden halo burst out from around him and spread into a brilliant, magnificent whiteness that extended out for some distance. I felt this light blending into mine, literally, and I felt my light being drawn to his. It was as if there were two lamps in the room, both shining, their light merging together. It's hard to tell where one light ends and the other begins. They just become one light. Although his light was much brighter than my own, I was aware that my light too illuminated us. And as our lights merged, I felt as if I had stepped into his countenance, and I felt an utter explosion of love. It was the most unconditional love I have ever felt, and as I saw his arms open to receive me, I went to him and received his complete embrace, and said over and over, I'm home, I'm home, I'm finally home. I felt his enormous spirit and knew that I had always been a part of him, that in reality I had never been away from him, and I knew that I was worthy to be with him, to embrace him. I knew that he was aware of all my sins and faults, but that they didn't matter right now. He just wanted to hold me and share his love with me, and I wanted to share mine with him. There was no questioning who he was. I knew that he was my Savior and friend and God. He was Jesus Christ, who had always loved me, even when I had thought he hated me. He was life itself, love itself, and his love gave me a fullness of joy, even to overflowing. I knew that I had known him from the beginning, from long before my earth life, because my spirit remembered him. All my life I had feared him, and now I saw, I knew, that he was my closest friend. Gently, 
He opened his arms and let me step back far enough to look into his eyes. And he said, Your death was premature. It's not yet your time. No words ever spoken have penetrated me more than these. Until then, I had felt no purpose in life. I had simply ambled along looking for love and goodness, but never really knowing if my actions were right. Now, within his words, I felt a mission, a purpose. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that my life on earth had not been meaningless. It was not yet my time. My time would come when my mission, my purpose, my meaning in this life was accomplished. I had a reason for existing on earth, but even though I understood this, my spirit rebelled. Did this mean I would have to go back? I said to him, No, I can never leave you now. He understood what I meant, and his love and acceptance for me never wavered. My thoughts raced on. Is this Jesus, God, the being I feared all my life? He's nothing like I had, what I had thought. He is filled with love. Then questions began coming to my mind. I wanted to know why I had died as I had. Not prematurely, but how my spirit had come to him before the resurrection. I was still laboring under the teachings of my beliefs and of my childhood. His light now began to fill my mind, and my questions were answered even before I fully asked them. His light was knowledge. I, it had power to fill me with all truth. As I gained confidence and let my light flow into let the light flow into me, my questions became faster than I thought possible, and they were just as quickly answered. The answers were absolute and complete. In my fears, I had misinterpreted death, had expected something that was not so. The grave was never intended for the spirit, only for the body. I felt no judgment for having been mistaken. There was just a feeling that a simple living truth had replaced my error. I understood that he was the Son of God, though he himself was also a God, and that he had chosen from before the creation of the world to be our Savior. I understood, or rather I remembered, his, whole, his role as creator of the earth. His mission was to come into the earth to teach love. This knowledge was more like remembering. Things were coming back to me from long before my life on earth. Things that had been purposely, purposely blocked from me by a veil of forgetfulness at my birth. As more questions bubbled out of me, I became aware of his sense of humor. Almost laughing, he suggested that I slow down, that I could know all that I desired. But I wanted to know everything from beginning to end. My curiosity had always been a torment to my parents and husband, and sometimes to me. But now it was a blessing, and I was thrilled to be, I was thrilled with the freedom of learning. I was being taught by the master teacher. My comprehension was such that I could understand volumes in an instant. It was as if I could look at a book and comprehend it at a glance, as though I could sit back while the book revealed itself to me in every detail, forward and backward, inside and out, every nuance and possible suggestion, all in an instant. 
as I comprehended one thing, more questions and answers would come to me, all building on each other and interacting as if all truth were intrinsically connected. The word omniscient had never been more meaningful to me. Knowledge permeated me. In a sense, it became me, and I was amazed at my ability to comprehend the mysteries of the universe simply by reflecting on them. I wanted to know why there were so many churches in the world. Why didn't God give us only one church, one pure religion? The answer came to me with the purest of understanding. Each of us, I was told, is at a different level of spiritual development and understanding. Each person is therefore prepared for a different level of spiritual knowledge. All religions upon the earth are necessary because there are people who need what they teach. People in one religion may not have a complete understanding of the Lord's gospel and never will have while in that religion. But that religion is used as a stepping stone to further knowledge. Each church fulfills spiritual needs and perhaps that perhaps others cannot fulfill. Not one church can fulfill everybody's needs at every level. As an individual raises his level of understanding about God and his own eternal progress, he might feel disconnected with the teachings of his present church and seek a different philosophy or religion to fill that void. When this occurs, he has reached another level of understanding and will look long for further truth and knowledge and for another opportunity to grow. And at every step of the way, these new opportunities to learn will be given. Having received this knowledge, I knew that we have no right to criticize any church or religion in any way. They are all precious and important in his sight. Very special people with important missions have been placed in all countries, in all religions, in every stage of life, that they might touch others. There is a fullness of the gospel, but most people will not attain it here. In order to grasp this truth, we need to listen to the Spirit and let go of our egos. I wanted to learn the purpose of life on earth. Why are we here? As I basked in the love of Jesus Christ, I couldn't imagine why any spirit would voluntarily leave this wonderful paradise and all it offered, worlds to explore and ideas to create and knowledge to gain. Why would anyone want to come here? In answer, I remembered the creation of the earth. I actually experienced it as if it were being reenacted before my eyes. This was important. Jesus wanted me to internalize this knowledge. He wanted me to know how I felt when the creation occurred. And the only way to do, do that was for me to view it again and feel what I had felt before. All people as spirits in the pre-mortal world took part in the creation of the earth. We were thrilled to be part of it. We were with God, and we knew that he created us, that we were his very own children. He was pleased with our development and was filled with absolute love for each one of us. Also, Jesus Christ was there. I understood, to my surprise, that Jesus was a separate being from God with his own divine purpose. And I knew that God was our mutual father. My Protestant upbringing had taught me 
that God the Father and Jesus Christ were one being. As we all assembled, the Father explained that coming to earth for a time would further our spiritual growth. Each spirit was to come to earth assisted in planning the conditions on earth, including the laws of mortality which would govern us. These included the laws of physics as we know them, the limitations of our bodies, and spiritual powers that, would be, that we would be able to access. We assisted God in the development of plants and animal life that would be here. Everything was created of spirit matter before it was created physically. Solar systems, suns, moons, stars, planets, life upon the planets, mountains, rivers, seas, etc. I saw this process, and then, to further understand it, I was told by the Savior that the spirit creation could be compared to one of our photographic prints. The spirit creation would be like a sharp, brilliant print, and the earth would be like its dark negative. This earth is only a shadow of the beauty and glory of its spirit creation, but it is what we needed for our growth. It was important that I understand that we all assisted in creating our conditions here. Many times the creative thoughts we have in this life are the result of unseen inspiration. Many of our important inventions and even technological developments were first created in the spirit by spirit prodigies. Then individuals on earth received the inspiration to create these inventions here. I understood that there is a vital, dynamic link between the spirit world and mortality, and, and that we need the spirits on the other side for our progression. I also saw that they are very happy to assist us in any way they can. I saw that in the pre-mortal world we knew about and even chose our missions in life. I understood that our stations in life are based upon the objectives of those missions. Through divine knowledge we knew that we knew what many of our tests and experiences would be, and we prepared accordingly. We bonded with others, family members, and friends to help us complete our missions. We needed their help. We came as volunteers, each eager to learn and experience all that God had created for us. I knew that each of us who had made, let's see, each of us who made the decision to come here was a valiant spirit. Even the least developed among us here was strong and valiant there. We were given agency to act for ourselves here. Our own actions determine the course of our lives, and we can alter or redirect our lives at any time. I understood that this was crucial. God made the promise that he wouldn't intervene in our lives unless we asked him. And then, through his omniscient knowledge, he would help us obtain our righteous desires. We were grateful for this ability to express our free will and to exercise its power. This would allow, us, this would allow each of us to obtain great joy or to choose that which will bring us sadness. The choice would be ours through our decisions. I was actually relieved to find that, that the earth is not our natural home, that we did not originate here. I was gratified to see that the earth is only a temporary place for our schooling 
and that sin is not our true nature. Spiritually, we are at various degrees of light, which is knowledge, and because of our divine spiritual nature, we are filled with the desire to do good. Our earthly selves, however, are constantly in opposition to our spirits. I saw how weak the flesh is, but it is persistent. Although our spirit bodies are full of light, truth, and love, they must battle constantly to overcome the flesh, and this strengthens them. Those who are truly developed will find a perfect harmony between their flesh and their spirits, a harmony that will bless them with peace and give them the ability to help others. As we learn how to abide the laws of this creation, we learn how to use those laws for our good. We learn how to live in harmony with the creative powers around us. God has given us individual talents, some more and some less according to our needs. As we use these talents, we learn how to work with and eventually understand the laws and overcome the limitations of this life. By understanding these laws, we are better able to serve those around us. Whatever we became here in mortality is meaningless unless we ha it is done for the benefit of others. Our gifts and talents are given to us to help us serve. And in serving others, we grow spiritually. Now I'm going to skip a little while for the simple reason that, uh, I mean, this is copyrighted material. I'm sharing this for educational purposes, and I encourage you to go get the book, Embraced by the Light, by Betty Eady, because she continues on in this same fashion of, of these beautiful lessons that she learned. But we're going to skip to the end of this uh, section here, uh, where she says, as all of these things came to me, I understood the perfection of the plan. I saw that we all volunteered for our positions and stations in the world, and that each of us is receiving more help than we know. I saw the unconditional love of God, beyond any earthly love, radiating from Him to all His children. I saw the angels standing near us, waiting to assist us, rejoicing in our accomplishments and joys. But above all, I saw Christ, the Creator and Savior of the earth, my friend, and the closest friend of any, uh, that any of us can have. I seemed to melt with joy as I was held in his arms and comforted, home at last. I would give all in my power, all that I ever was, to be filled with that love again, to be embraced in the arms of his eternal light. And I'm going to stop there with the with reading uh, Betty Eady's account. But it's fairly consistent with other accounts that I've read of people meeting Jesus. Now, if you are of a, another religion, it may comfort you to know, as you will find as we read further accounts, that Jesus isn't the only uh, religious leader that is met in many of these uh, near-death experiences. I've heard of people meeting Buddha, of meeting various uh, ascended masters, as I guess they're called. I don't even know all the characters that that uh, you know uh, people will will describe 
somebody that they met, that they knew from their religious background uh, as a great leader and, uh, and all the insights they received from that person from the other side. And it tells me that, like Betty says, all of those religious backgrounds have a purpose. They have a certain level of light and knowledge. And each is there to guide people to God, really, and to the greater knowledge that they can attain. Anyway, a lot of that, again, is interpretation of the experience that she had, that others have had. And I'm not going to limit myself by saying that I'm not going to give any interpretations. I'm sorry, I I can't not give interpretations. I, I can't um, read an experience and say, oh, I'm not going to, you know, make any comment on it. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> I'm too much of a, uh, a thinker to do that. I, I'm going to voice my ideas and thoughts, which in the future I may go back and say, you know that idea I said back then? I'm pretty sure I'm totally wrong about that. You know, <laughs> and, uh, we should be expanding our ideas. We're not flip-flopping in some political arena if we have an idea about things now and then in a year say, wait a minute, I was probably wrong. I think it's more like this. In fact, that's the very essence of progress is changing from one idea to a better idea to a better idea. And the nice thing is, is that ideas are not all mutually exclusive. Any great idea that you come across and that you believe Hold on to it until something better comes along. Because over here on this side, a seemingly unrelated topic may come along and say, well, I never associated it with this, but now these two ideas are coming together in a new, deeper enlightenment that I probably wouldn't have recognized if I hadn't held on to both ideas. I want you to fill your mental, emotional, spiritual shelves with every idea that you can, especially if it fills you with love, with the feelings of love and enlightenment and joy. If you're feeling that love, enlightenment, and joy, there should be a place on that shelf for it. Because at some point, you're going to come across another piece of knowledge that's going to offer greater enlightenment on that bit that you've got. Okay? I... I'm a very biased individual. I am not a journalist. I have very strong feelings about these things, and those feelings are very dear to me. I also try to consider myself an open-minded individual, such that I will share with you many things that I don't necessarily believe as factually accurate, but because they are so deeply moving to me in some way that I know that there is truth in that. I don't know what it is, or I don't know how deep that truth goes, but there is truth in that. And so I'm going to share these experiences, and I hope you will take a similar approach. That thought of, okay, I don't know how that fits in with my upbringing, but I like it in some way. And I like how it makes me feel. There is a place on my shelf for that. And the things that you say, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, this, this sounds all great up until this point. I can't accept this fact. Have a shelf for that too. Because 
And it could be something that you will later completely reject and say, you know what? Everything that I see here confirms that that idea is not true. And when you think about the, the way that we're taught in our lives, if somebody comes from a really rough background, maybe they're taught, uh, let's see, for example, that, that you've got to look out, out for yourself, number one, first, and don't even worry about other people's thoughts or feelings because you need to look out for number one to the point that you become a bully, you become manipulative, you become hateful because nobody matters but you because that was somehow the way you were taught, whether explicitly or or as a result of experiences in your life. And this is your upbringing. Well, when you come across an idea that that is more enlightening and you say whoa wait a minute you mean taking care of others may be a way of looking after myself then if you take that and put it on a shelf to be looked at and to be considered then when another idea comes that says the better take you take care of yourself the better you can take care of others which is also a truth and may seem at first glance, to somebody with that background, to be in contradiction, you may find, wait a minute, wait a minute, what I'm seeing here is that it's about love, loving yourself and loving others. And that by loving yourself, you're better able to love others. And by loving others, you're better able to love yourself. Now, most of you who are listening, that idea seems like a no-brainer. But somebody with that upbringing, that's a hard and yet new and beautiful and enlightening piece of knowledge, piece of wisdom. What I'm suggesting by bringing this up is that in your hearing of these experiences, don't throw anything out. Put it on a shelf. It can be different shelves. There can be a shelf that says, I totally accept this, 100%, no questions asked. This is my um, embraced uh, truth here. Okay, and then on this other shelf, it's stuff that's like, I, I think I get that. I like that. I believe it. I don't know if it's true, but I, but I think I do. I think I believe that it's true. And then there can be another shelf for like, I don't know if I accept that, but we'll put it there just to see what, you know, and, and have these different levels of shelves. And you can have a trash bin too, because the, that person who grew up like that, uh, believing that they're the only person that matters, should at some point be able to throw out the idea that they are the only person that matters. And yet, as you learn to love yourself and love others, you will be able to look back at that belief system, which was totally wrong, and say, I understand now why I believed what I believed. And I understand now why I thought that way. And I don't condemn myself for having believed that, for the simple reason that I can see why this person who taught me that, taught me that. I can see what they were going through. It's, it's kind of the concept of the life review. I think we don't have to wait until death to give ourselves something of this um, ripple lesson that everything has a consequence. Everything leads to something else. I think we can go into ourselves and say, wait a minute, that way I used to believe and the way that I condemned myself afterward for ever having believed that, 
I can see why I believed it. And I can see why it served me at the time. And I can see why moving away from that grew my spirit and grew my ability to comprehend um, more and see more. And life is bigger now and more enlightening. And then to take that whole concept of progress and to recognize that you in your state right now, wherever, whatever level of enlightenment you're at right now, is probably very small compared to what you will learn and experience through the rest of your life and through the rest of eternity. If there's one thing that comes out of these near-death experiences, it's that we are eternal beings. It's that progress is eternal. How? I don't know but I'm trying to grow into that knowledge. And I'm taking what I know today, recognizing that my shelves are going to be much fuller next year and the year after that and the year after that. And I'm going to have so much more to draw from because I'm not going to stop learning and growing and seeking more. And the things at that top shelf where I say, no, this is absolute embrace truth. They are not likely ever to be thrown away, ever. There are some times when one of those absolutes needs to be moved down a shelf a little bit. But that's okay, because that's what growth is about. It's about learning and expanding. And so with that, I hope that I my going on about these things and explaining is not too much for you. Please tell me if it is. Tell me if I'm gabbing too much. Tell me if the reading is too much. Uh, if you'd prefer the gabbing, whatever. I, I'm still early on in this, in this endeavor, and I want to hear from you. I want to know if you're uh, having any kind of reaction to it. And I hope that if you come across near-death experiences that are like, wow, this totally expands my view of this, send it my way. Send it in a comment, send it in an email, whatever you've got to do, get it to me. I would love to be able to share it. I would love to be able to, to uh, enlighten everyone with, with what we're learning. If there's one thing cool about the day and time that we're living in, it's that knowledge is so shareable. It's never been easier in the history of the world to take information and share it with everyone. That, I think, is the real power of this kind of, of thing that we're doing. This podcast with, with the sharing of near-death experiences is that never in the history of the world have so many near-death experiences been available for our reading. I've found hundreds. I know there are thousands of near-death experiences online. And which, which makes it possible for me to do this on a daily basis, uh, every weekday because I'll never run out. I could start today and continue for the rest of my life, and I would never run out of experiences to share. But recognizing that, how long this podcast goes on depends a great deal on the effect that it has. If there's one thing that near-death experiences, studying near-death experiences has done for me, it has refocused my mind toward putting out good ripples. I think that's why I say that, that the um, concept of the life review has affected me more than probably any other concept. Because many of the other concepts I already believed. And so it wasn't like a life changer for me. But the 
the the life review the idea of that ripple effect and being able to experience and see those ripples going out into eternity that's mind-blowing to me and to think here i am in this life now is my chance i didn't even have to experience a a serious physical blow to my system in order to have this knowledge come to me i've come across it and i've studied it and i'm continuing to study it and now what am i going to do about it i wasn't one who had my house flipped over on its head by being thrown into a near-death experience like most of these people in these experiences have had i'm one who heard about this house and am gently walking in the front door to learn and explore and then in doing so i'm learning about others who have had their doors thrown open to new ideas, and I can explore those ideas. And I hope you will do the same. And I think what that does, that whole process of sharing each other's learning and sharing what each other have have uh, come across and, and the insights that we've had, is that the wave becomes bigger and more powerful. And, you know, just, uh, you know, one little insight from one of these experiences shared with someone else and they share it with somebody else it it pushes that idea into a larger bigger field and if i understand energy and spiritual power right those kinds of things have an effect on the world as to us as individuals and to humanity at large we can change the world by simply sharing good, positive, enlightening ideas. So with that, I thank you so much again for listening. <laughs>